Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and joined by Aaron Stokes. It's the 27th of December, the day after Newcastle's Boxing Day victory over Leicester. They, of course, beat the Foxes 3-0 down at the King Power in a dominant display to send them second for the time being because, of course, Manchester City face Leeds United on the 28th, so there's a good bet Newcastle may drop back down to third. But as it is, Aaron, um, I know you had a long list for Santa Claus. Was second in the Premier League on that list? Yeah, it certainly was. I, I, I did hope that... You know, the Christmas wasn't ruined by a, a sort of lacklustre display down at Leicester. But look, the boys have given me a little bit of a late late Christmas present, I think, with that performance and that sort of manner of the win. It's funny, isn't it? Because I know before the game, me and you were speaking and a colleague a, a, with Arash as well. And he said to me, I've got a bad feeling about this. I know my dad said the same. You said the same. Like I think a lot of people were, um, at least people I spoke to in person, were kind of, fearing uh, Leicester City. Interestingly, when I did a Facebook Live the morning of the game, a lot of people in the comments were 3-1, 4-0, told me a 1-1 prediction was being pessimistic. So there was a bit of a, a divide there. Where did you actually stand? I know in hindsight you might change your mind now, but where did you actually stand before the game? No, look, people can go back and listen to the last podcast we did the other day before Christmas, and I think I said 2-1 um, to Newcastle. Admittedly, I got the score as well, and I said it would be Wilson and Miggy, but um, I think a lot of the reason for the pessimism from some supporters was the fact that there was this big question around the game and has the World Cup came at the wrong time? Are Newcastle going to lose all their momentum because they haven't played together for so long? And they did look rusty against Bournemouth and I think that did put a few doubts in people's minds. And I think if you're going to answer a question, what better way to answer it than scoring three minutes into the game? Because, look, from the first minute they were on it, the crowd... Um, in that away end, you really set the tone from the first minute when they started chanting um, very, very loud. And I think it was just the perfect start. And Brendan Rodgers came out after the game very, very angry um, at the way his team started. And I think, you know, Newcastle were up for it. They were they went in with the right mentality. And look, it, you know, it wasn't pretty for some of the times in the second half. Leicester, you know, did start to find their rhythm, but... Newcastle proved that they can go ahead and they can stay ahead. So, look, if anyone had any doubts about whether they can still keep this momentum going, I think those questions have already been answered now. I mean, in your defence, what I will say, I think your change in mood came maybe when you saw the team sheet and Callum Wilson wasn't included. And to be mm-hmm. fair, I think a lot of people's uh, comments came around about the uh, what, what time was kickoff? Can't remember now. Around about the two PM mark yeah. when the uh, when the team sheet dropped when they saw that would. Was up top, Callum Wilson missing through illness. I mean, I think everyone kind of would have had their their their, their head in their hands when they saw that because Callum Wilson is an absolute different class. So really important that Chris Wood got on the score sheet. Yes, another penalty. Yes, he didn't score from open play. We'd really like the same to, to get a few goals from open play. But 
it doesn't matter. It's a goal. It's another goal in a black and white shirt. And, you know, should he need to be called upon for Leeds or against Sheffield Wednesday in the Cup, you know, it's just another goal, hopefully, to get his confidence up. And, and once he gets on a, on a run, which has been difficult because Wilson's been fit, um, I think he will he will bag a few more. But it was great to see him take that penalty with such confidence. And it, it, was, it just felt like it was always going in. Yeah, 100%. Look, you've got to give him credit for how he's stepped up and taken these penalties recently. He's, you know, he's scoring important goals. Yesterday was one. Um, there was Southampton earlier in the season. There was, you know, a goal in the cup. He's he's scoring a penalty shootouts when they're when they're not getting the job done in normal time. And I think slowly but surely he's learning how to play in this system. Look, he's he's never going to be as influential as Callum Wilson, and I don't think this team is ever going to really suit his style as much as it did at Burnley. But I think slowly but surely he's learning how to you know help his teammates in this setup. He's holding the ball up very well. Um, he made life difficult for Leicester's two centre-backs yesterday, as Wilson does time and time again. So, yes, I think there was obviously a bit of pessimism when we saw that Wilson wasn't in the squad. You'd always like to have him starting um, if you had the chance. But I think Wood is proving that actually, you know, he's doing a job in this team. And I think as a backup, he is scoring big goals and you can't say fairer than that. It's offset, isn't it? By the fact that the goals are coming from elsewhere in the side, you know, Newcastle United team of old this time last year, yeah. especially in a, you know then under Bruce and under Benitez, the goals were kind of relied upon uh, coming from one, two people. But Newcastle have got a whole squad here who are capable of scoring goals. You know, Almiron, you know, Bruno can score goals. We've mentioned Wood there. You know, you've got threats coming from all over the place, and it's so refreshing to see that. You know, usually when teams of Newcastle's um, standards and uh, calibre are in this position, it's usually because somebody has hit a run of form and it's it's a bit lucky. But you get the feeling with Newcastle, you know, it's not luckier. They they deserve to be in second place because their whole squad is stepping up with with goals, with assists, and just genuinely a, a, like a, a solid performance every week. Well, I think if you if you you know, rewind back to August and someone was to tell you that St Maximum was going to miss probably more games than he played. Isaac was going to have only played two games by the new year and Callum Wilson was in and out the squad. And yet Newcastle are second. You know, they've scored the three or fourth most highest goals in the league. They've scored three goals six times now in Premier League games this season. You've touched on it there. They've got threats from, from every position on the pitch. And I think huge credit goes to Miggy because he has really taken the pressure off. But as you mentioned, Bruno's dangerous. Trippier's, you know, lethal from set pieces. Shaw and Botman are dangerous from corners. Joelinton is chipping in with a goal or two every now and again. They've got goals all over the pitch, and that's exactly what Howe wants when he can't get these three big attacking players all fit at the same time. So, look, you know, I don't want to sound like Job Gibson, but Miggy's got to keep doing this, and he needs to prove that he's not a flash in the pan. Um, but look, he's, you know, he, he picked his head up from that big miss against Bournemouth. Uh, you know, where he sort of sent it back across goal from six yards out and and he's and he's responded in the perfect way. So get a few of these attacking players back in the new year. And I think, you know, Newcastle can really, really go far this season. I don't know if you've checked the small print in the contract for the Miggy fan club, but it states you cannot have a good and you can't you can't be pessimistic, Aaron. If you're part of this fan club, then you have to remain optimistic that he's gonna win you know, the Ballon d'Or and he's better than Messi and all this. And what a goal. What a goal last night. I mean, that goal 
was was fantastic. You know, again, the link up between Bruno and him, we mentioned it, didn't we? Um, yeah. On the last episode of the pod. And then I texted you when the goal went in and I said to you, he's taking his time with it. You know, and this is the difference with Miggy. When he needs to take one touch and hit it, he's doing that. Whereas before he'd maybe take a few extra touches I didn't need and get tackled. And then when he's needing to take his time and just kind of caress it into the back of the net, he's doing that as well. And Addy Howe said it's a confidence thing. And, it, you know, that will play a large part of it. But I, I, just to see him thinking about it, but also kind of not thinking about it, if you get what I mean. Like, he's doing the right things, but he, it's coming naturally to him. It's it's so refreshing. And, and what, an, what a great goal. Another fantastic strike from him. Um, I think the commentator said that, um, if there is going to be a goal of the month competition for December, you might you might have it in the bag already. It gets better, that, you know, the more and more you watch it. But you've hit the nail on the head. How many times have we seen Miggy go through on goal and he hits the keeper or he fluffs it? And now he's just looking like a player who knows he's going to score every time he's in the box. He had a very, very similar goal earlier in the season against Southampton where he ran through the defence. Um, Bruno finds him and he's just, like you say, he's just full of confidence when he goes one-on-one with the keeper now. That goal yesterday, he picks up that ball, he's going nowhere. Luke Thomas, the left-back's got him where he wants him. And he just picks his head up, he sees Bruno, and he knows, as we touched on the pod the other day, when he gives that ball to Bruno inside, he knows Bruno's going to find him with a 1-2 if he runs in behind. It's so hard to defend against. And look, you know, we've seen it a couple of times now this season where those two have linked up. And Eddie Howe has really got a good partnership between the two of them, Trippier, also plays a big part in that down the right. Um, and look, it's a, it's a tactic that they keep utilising and keep working. But look, fantastic again from him. Um, really good to see that he's still got that confidence after the break. And there was a great moment after the game where Bruno was asked about Miggy and, you know, he said that they're both living their dream and, you know, they've both had, you know, tough upbringings and, and they're, they're both living their dream. So delighted for both of them. And look, keep them, keep them coming, please, Miggy. That's nine goals this season, isn't it? It's, it's a fantastic tally, considering how long it took them to get to that tally. And I think it was in the previous last 110 games it took them to get nine goals. So um, what a season he's having. And he kind of epitomises what is good about Newcastle, you know, the changes, the impact of Eddie Howe. And the other man is Joe Linton as well. He's, he got on the score sheet yesterday with a fantastic header. He won the penalty as well. You know, I mean, he's just an absolute beast the engine on him he just gets up and down that pitch he gets stuck in I mean you wouldn't want to cross him he he's a totally different man to the one that we saw in his first kind of couple of seasons here and there's been plenty of discussion about when Anson Maxman comes back when Shelby's fit now we know Shelby <clears> looks <throat> like he's going to miss maybe eight weeks of football so yeah. that kind of answers part of the question but Newcastle linked um, or said to be wanting a deep lie in midfield as well. So there's another question mark over the future of Joe Linton. But for me, and I'll say it again, I've said it plenty of times. If you guys listen at a pound every time I've said it, you probably have about fifty pound, um, which is which would which would very nice over Christmas. He's in. He's like the second or third name on that team sheet for me because he's been the most consistent performer this season. When he doesn't play well, Newcastle don't play well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, he might not do the flashy stuff like Bruno, which grabs the headlines. He might not score enough goals like Miggy, but he breaks up play. He carries the ball forward. He gets stuck in. He does the work off the ball, um, or right at the beginning of the move, which then allows Newcastle to flourish. 
And it was just another example yesterday of why whatever happens in January, whatever happens around St. Maximum, for me, Joe Linton is on that team sheet within the third or fourth name. 100%. And, you know, he was one of the few people to ever have picked up a Lee Ryder 10 in the player rate in Chester. So I'm sure he'll be buzzing about that when he sits down to read the Chronicle this morning. But you're absolutely right. And I remember we were sat on this podcast back in August and I was saying, look, can he, can he prove that he can be a midfielder in the long term? As you say, every single game, more or less, he's given you an 8 or 9 out of 10. Fantastic when he's in the middle. He's really, really flourishing in this sort of left-hand side position, which is usually occupied by Maxi. And Maxi must be sat on that bench now thinking, I'm really going to struggle to get back into this team. Because there was a few people yesterday before the game that I saw seen on social media were calling for Maxi to return the starting lineup. We know Eddie Howe, he doesn't change winning teams. And I think he'd probably... You know, it would probably be a mistake to bring Maxi in, especially, I mean, he couldn't drop Jolinton now, given the form he's shown. But I think Maxi's now got a real, real challenge on his hands to pick up that left-hand side of the three. Um, but yeah, look, Jolinton, whether he's in the midfield, whether he's in attack, he's flourishing. Um, and he's another one. I mean, it just goes to show you how well Eddie Howe has done with this crop of players he's inherited you know rival fans i'll say it's the money they've spent big they've brought in fantastic players but willick Almiron, Jolin, and all players that house inherited and just made fantastic footballers yeah Jolinton and, and Almiron here before the takeover and Jolinton just looks assured of himself you know he wins the penalty um he then gets that head i just wanted it more than the defender and the way he plays it must be absolutely terrifying in some ways if you're a man on the ball and then you just see this big beast running towards oh, you. Yeah. You can hear his footsteps before he's actually on your on your back. And long may it continue, because I think a lot of people would have thought that, that form we saw last season mm-hmm. would peter out. But it's it's just not. Like whatever Eddie Howe was giving him for his breakfast, long may <laughs> that continue. One hundred percent and and like you say, he's um it's it's hard to think or how hard to remember a transformation like that, especially in the Newcastle United shirt. How many times have we seen big players come in, a lot of money, the filter, you know, work under one manager, the other manager can't get a tune out with them and they end up getting loaned out or sold. And I think a lot of us under Steve Bruce thought that would be the case with Jolinton, that they'd sell them, they'd try to get 10 or 15 million back from if they were lucky. Now, I think you're looking at, actually, his price tag is probably... Increased and and by some margin. So, I mean, I hope they don't go looking to sell them anytime soon. But I think if they did and they, and they needed the cash, which I'm sure they don't, um, they could definitely make a hefty profit on them. Yeah, I mean, if they sold them, you probably have a Kevin Keegan moment on the steps. I would have to come out and explain <laughs> why you've sold Joe Linton. And um, the three goal scorers yesterday: Wood, Miggy, Joe Linton. Has there been? More has there been three more important goal scorers? You think in a game, in terms of the confidence and importance of that goal to them personally, you know a lot of people can Miggy carry on goal. Chris Wood he needs a goal because he's not getting very many mm-hmm. goal. Joe Linton doesn't score that many goal. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? In terms of just yeah, building yeah. their confidence personally, I know exactly what you mean, and I think Miggy and Joe Linton especially are such confidence players. Miggy is the one that really needs to try and keep this run of confidence going because when things are going right for him, everything seems to fall for him. 
Chris Wood, we're sort of sat here and he keeps chipping in with goals, as I'm saying. He's he's very, very confident when he puts that ball down in the penalty spot. And we're all just hoping that, you know, he's going to go on this run where, you know, he finds four goals in four games. He, he, he's scoring it once every other game. And it hasn't happened yet, but I think it can only be a positive that he keeps stepping up, taking the responsibility. And look, I mean, I, I tweeted it yesterday. He takes some penalty. I mean, yeah, yesterday, no messing about, laces through it down the middle. You know, you don't save those. So, look, he, he needs to keep doing it. Hopefully, he can get some more from open play, um, like we saw at Southampton. But those three players are, are, as I said, confidence players that need to hopefully keep going, especially if, you know, Max isn't in the team and Isaac, you know, isn't back yet. And at the back, they, they you know, they looked solid enough, weren't really ever threatened. Barley did give Leicester um, something different. I mean, there was a great... Save by Nick Pope. I know Vardy was offside, but what a save that was from Nick Pope. Another clean cheat from him. But I, I, w- I was sat there thinking um, at times, even though Leicester didn't really get many shots off, they still kind of got in behind Newcastle um, a, a few times. And I just sat there thinking, you know, this Newcastle United, this isn't the best Newcastle United. They've still got another three or four levels to go. Whether that be a mix of form, whether that be a mix of incomings in the transfer window in the years to come or in the next kind of year or so, there is another level and a level above that that Newcastle can go to. And I just think it's so exciting because this is a Newcastle United side who's just beaten Leicester 3-0. Third form, third team in the form table before yesterday. Um, this is Newcastle United without uh, Callum Wilson, without Alexander Isak, without Anset Maximum in the side, yet they blew Leicester away. And I, it's just so exciting. I mean, the future at Newcastle is just so exciting. They've still got places to go. And yet, here they are second in the league. I think if you'd, you hadn't seen that game yesterday and you'd, and you'd switched on match today and seen they've won 3 0, you'd be thinking, oh, that must have been, you know, a barnstorm in Newcastle United performance. And look, in the first 45 minutes, it was. But I think second half, actually, they were nowhere near the best. You know, they weren't creating much going forward. Leicester were trying to get back in the game with Vardy causing a bit of problems. Um, and but as you say, they never really looked completely under the cost, did they? Pope looked very assured. I thought Fabian Cher had another good game. Botman obviously made a fantastic block off the line from from Pats and Dakar in the first half. But as you say, it wasn't Newcastle United at their best by any stretch of their means, especially not after the first sort of thirty-five minutes. So there's still more this team can do. I think in the short term, Leeds will be a you know a good test of keeping this momentum going. Arsenal after New Year is suddenly a, a huge game. I can't believe that we're 19 minutes into this podcast and I haven't been asked yet as to whether they're the title contenders, but I'm sure we'll finish with it. But the next two games are big. They've got two fantastic chances in the Cup um, in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, this Newcastle United can, can still get better, I think. It's coming, that question is coming, but a couple of more... I never doubted it was coming. A couple of more just, just to come uh, so far. Great support as always, from the travelling fans. Um, I saw that all weekend. I mean, very brave of some of them to be topless in there. It was a bit nippy yesterday, so um, a special applause to them. Just want to quickly touch on Callum Wilson now, missing through illness. He looked a bit rusty against Bournemouth. First off, are we expecting him back for the Leeds game? And secondly, and again, listeners of this podcast will know I'm a a big advocate of another striker coming in this in January. Is that something that now you're 
you've been persuaded towards trying to go out there and buy another striker in the window? Yeah, I think in terms of Wilson returning, you know, Eddie Howe was, you know, very sort of blunt with his response last night. And that was, you know, for Callum not to even travel today, we knew it was serious. He always wants to play. So you've got to hope that a couple of days rest will will see him right for for New Year's Eve. Um, And look, yeah, I'll I'll be completely honest. I, I felt like another striker wasn't a priority in recent weeks because of Isaac returning, Wilson playing so well and, and Wood, Wood doing a job. But I think looking at that team yesterday, we're obviously I, we, we obviously text each other at two o'clock when the, when the team news came out and said, OK, maybe they do because Wilson, you're never assured of his fitness. Isaac just cannot shake this knock um, that he's picked up his thigh. And you're looking at that team yesterday and if Chris Wood had went down, or went off, you're looking at having to stick Maxi in the middle or moving Miggy or, or, or maybe going back to the old days of Joel and being a nine. So, yes, I think, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they went out next month and, and brought someone in. But I think if we can get Isaac back early enough, keep him fit, Wilson can have a clean run, Wood can keep doing his things. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, how, you know, insist publicly that he doesn't know what they're going to do transfer-wise yet. I'm, I'm sure there's probably not a lot of truth into that. I'm sure him and Ashworth have had been lots of conversations, but I, I think looking at that squad yesterday and how light they were in attack, I wouldn't be surprised if they had another, another forward in Jan. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And, of course, the position in the league table might change things ever so slightly. I don't think they're going to deviate too much. But also, if I should know that, should they need to, they have the back in there to go and do so. And I suppose, I mean, Eddie Howe was asked, wasn't he, about expectation and the chanting in the end about we're going to win the league. And he said on Amazon that in the dressing room, they're focused on game by game. Outside of that, people are going to chant what they want. He's not going to ask people to stop. Like... And it was really interesting, and you know, fans absolutely buzzing. Uh, but it, it, it's very clear that Eddie Howe they might they might be second in the league, but they're not getting carried away, and that, that's the right approach. And you probably can see that being applied to the transfer window as well. Yeah, definitely. Look, Howe's always going to keep his feet on the ground. He, you know, he, he usually bats away these questions, but I think internally he'll be, you know, telling the players that they can go on and do big things. I'm just going to read a quote here from yesterday that. I, I really liked, and he says he was asked about you know Newcastle winning the title, and he said we can do anything. The season is still young enough for all possibilities, but I want the fans to believe we can do anything. And I think you know the confidence that he's instilled in this dressing room the last twelve months. He'll be telling these players they can match it with anyone. They've already taken points off City, United. They've beaten Tottenham away. They should have taken a point at Liverpool. They've beaten Chelsea. Of course they're contenders. They, they've proven this season that on their day, they can beat or take points off anybody in this division. It's going to be a big, big ask to you know claw back seven points from Arsenal, but they've got the perfect opportunity to make a little dent in that you know, in the first game of Jan. So they can do anything this season. I generally do believe how when he says that. I'm going to ask you in a moment, don't worry. I, I'm also going to 
big plaudits to Gabby Logan for consistently referencing the fact that Newcastle United was second in the Premier League last night in the mm-hmm. post match analysis. I was a big fan of that. And even asking Mikel Arteta about it as well. You can see where she wears her colours. Brilliant to mm-hmm. see. Um, before I ask you, Aaron, whether they can win the title, uh, I want to ask you, on Newcastle United, the best pressing side in the Premier League? Yeah, if I'm completely honest, I think they are. And it, we've seen it all season. Remember the days where we had Steve Bruce and you'd sit back and you knew that you were never going to get in the opposition half. Every single time they play this season, whether it's City or whether it's Leicester or whether it's Bournemouth, that press is electric. And, you know, we've waxed lyrical about Sean Longstaff on this podcast, but he's a big part in it. Joel Linton Wood from the front tries to put as much press on the defence as he can. And teams are scared to face Newcastle now. So I think they're definitely up there with probably Liverpool and Arsenal in terms of being the best teams to, to press their opponents and to make mistakes. So before I ask you the big question, we're going to get it. We're going to get, I'm just going to try and string it out as long as possible. Quick <laughs> bit of homework. This is actually just an exclusive uh, show on the podcast because, uh, fair to say, we weren't camera ready. So we've just gone on the podcast. So please remember to like and follow the podcast and leave a rating and review. And if you know anyone that likes the Facebook Lives, direct them over this way so they can listen to this. Um pod we've got just a few tickets left for our live event on the 26th of jan uh 104 tickets gone out of 120 so be quick because they are flying out free entry at the tyneside irish center but you will need a ticket to secure entry as we can only have 120 people in there so get your tickets for that i'll put the link into um the podcast description i'll take you through to eventbrite you click on it secure your tickets also head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we will keep you updated with all the latest Newcastle United news, including all the reaction to that win over Leicester, all the build-up to the Leeds game, and of course, the opening of the transfer window. The final big question, which I know you guys have all been waiting for. Aaron, can Newcastle United win the Premier League title? I generally think they can. I think, as I've mentioned, you know, seven points to Arsenal, who, you know, showed real spirit last night to come back and beat West Ham. It's going to be tricky, but they've lost one game all season. They're flying with confidence. They're scoring lots of goals at one end. The defence looks assured at the other. I cannot believe I'm saying this in December of 2022, but I generally do think Newcastle United can go and win the league. There we have it. There we have it. Unbelievable. Who would have thought that would be your answer? But uh-huh. you know what? I think people listening to this, they'll be agreeing. They'll be waking up this morning, looking at that table and thinking, this is on. And then if they go and get a win it, uh, against Leeds, and then it's that massive game against Arsenal, which is going to be absolutely huge. And that's going to be the real, the real big test. They beat Arsenal. Ooh. It's game on. Game on. I mean, we've mentioned what a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal few games that is in the, in the beginning of January with the League Cup and the FA Cup, and then Fulham as well. So uh, we can I'm assuming, wait. I'm assuming you're in agreement as well with this, or am I? Are you telling us to keep my feet on the ground, or can they win the league? I have to say, yesterday when I was after the Arsenal game, when I was looking at that title and just looking at it and thinking, goodness me, they are that close. And Arsenal, for all their brilliance, they're not un. Beatable. I mean, West Ham went 1-0 up. They should have gone 2 up. You know, they had the chances. It was just in the second half, Arsenal, you know, grew into the game and, and asserted their dominance. Arsenal are beatable. 
anyone is beatable in this league. I'm sure Newcastle. But yeah, looking at that league table, I didn't quite believe it until I saw it at about quarter ten last night and was thinking, goodness me, this is a... Uh, yeah, this could be on. Let's get a win against Leeds and then we'll come back to it before the Arsenal game because I think a win against Leeds is really important. We assume Man City will beat Leeds on Wednesday and Newcastle slip down a third. Uh, but hey, it's going to be a very, very exciting 2023, isn't it? And uh, I'm sure, uh, like me now and you guys listening, cannot wait to see where this season leads Newcastle United. And we, of course, will bring you all the coverage on chroniclelive.co.uk as well as here on the Everything is Black and White podcast. I think this will be the final episode with me and Aaron. I think Aaron's going to be back later in the week with our Leeds uh, reporter to look ahead to that game. But from me... Have a wonderful new year. I hope you had a great Christmas and uh, the Monday show will be back in the new year. Aaron, as I say, will lead the Everything is Black and White podcast into 2023. Um, you looking forward to that one? Yeah, always always get the uh, pleasure out of replacing you as the host. So and I know the fans and the listeners love it. So, yeah, it should be a good one. Yeah, well, they'll be looking, to, they'll be looking forward to Baron's brilliant analysis that they don't usually get with you, Aaron. <laughs> I'm only joking, my friends, really. But this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. I hope you guys have had a lovely Christmas. And for me, have a great new year. Look out for that episode with our Leeds colleague and looking ahead to the game at St. James Park. But for me, have a great new year. And please remember to like and follow the podcast too. The podcast will be later.